This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Okay, there was lots of drama in sport over the weekend with Roger Federer's loss to Novak Djokovic in the men's singles final at Wimbledon and England just squeaking across the line ahead of New Zealand at the Cricket World Cup. Closer to home, nine-time Singapore football champions Warriors are in deep trouble because of their finances. Welcome to a game of two halves, the Straits Times weekly sports podcast that is out every Tuesday. I'm sports editor Liu Lin, and with me are my colleagues, assistant sports editor Rohit Bridgnath and sports correspondent Sazali Abdul Aziz. Let's kick off with the big talking point of the day the Wimbledon final between Federer and Djokovic. Rohit, can you tell us briefly what happened in the Wimbledon final and were you surprised by what unfolded before your eyes? Incredibly emotional uh, final. Uh, was the longest final ever for us, 57 minutes. I think for the first couple of sets, it wasn't a great final and then it sort of, uh, the level just went up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the, the, the things that Federer is going to think about a lot is the fact that he was the better player for most of the final. All, he won more points, actually. He served more aces, he served less double faults, he hit more winners. But he lost the tight moments of the match, which were all three tiebreakers. And um, I think... Uh, we have to be clear and we have to say that, you know, Djokovic held his nerve. And uh, I think eventually these big matches always come down to to nerve. Okay. Now, before the tournament, you and I were chatting about how this could possibly be Federer's last chance to add to his legacy as he will turn 38 shortly. I think it's uh, his birthday is 8th of August. Now, after last night's performance, do you still agree with this? I mean, I think that when we say last chance for Federer, we mean that, you know, he... he He's got maybe a year and a half left in him of good performances. I think it's you. It's impossible to write off a guy who just beat Nadal in the semifinals and had two match points against uh, Djokovic and played four hours and 57 minutes of really good tennis. But the fact is, uh, he played really well in this tournament. He, 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 the clay court season was really good for him. He got into form. So everything went well for him. I think this is a great opportunity for him. I think he understands that there are fewer opportunities for him. And because he's at 20 Grand Slam titles, Rafa's on 18, Djokovic is on 16. So he knows it's not just about the race. It's about playing big great matches and he had an opportunity and he was just fell short by a point. Right, I, I just want to step in here. You, you said it's not just about the race, right? And and to me, it's a bit surprising that, I mean, I, I don't follow tennis all that closely. So it's a bit surprising to learn that, you know, this is Novak's um, 16th and he's just two behind Nadal and, and four behind Federer. He still has a few years, you know, on mm-hmm. Federer, of course. Do you think he can surpass Federer before his career is over? And if so, would he sort of be the number one or, or in the in the in the reckoning for in the conversation okay so i'll say two things one is definitely he has an opportunity to surpass uh, federer if federer stays at 20 or even if federer got to 21 he could surpass him i mean he has he has a lot of time uh, nadal could surpass federer that's possible i think one of the things that we are, we are going to have to do in tennis down the road is basically have a slightly more complex uh, view of who is the greatest player in the world rather than just one number Mm. It has to be more than one number, but that's maybe a conversation for another day. In football as well, right? You don't have to win a World Cup to be yeah, the greatest I mean, player I, I, ever. I think right? that, yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a just a one-dimensional view of uh, and an unchanging view of sport. I mean, in those days, there was no Champions League. 
right? And uh, you would have to ask, you know, what's the standard of the Champions League like? And, you know, I mean, we're talking about Messi, of course, and his, the fact that he hasn't won a World Cup. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, those, those, are, those are complicated questions because eventually Pele has, what, three? Maradona has one. So, what, is Pele tries the player that Maradona was? I mean, these yeah. are all, you know, odd things. Okay, now moving on to Djokovic, who is o- you, whom you think could possibly surpass Federer. Yep. Now, he was a winner last night, but, you know, he's less popular than Federer. Probably less pos- popular than even Nadal. So, why do you think this is so? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, actually, I feel bad for Djokovic. Because I think Djokovic is is uh, a, a super player. I mean, he is technically and mentally, he's... He's, he's a giant. I mean, he's brilliant. and He's a beautiful athlete. I think the fact is that Nadal and Federer came first. And because uh, they are such different personalities, Federer is the, is, is the artist and he's the poet and Nadal is the bull. And so they were perfectly matched. People really liked them. They had a beautiful relationship as well. I think they were very competitive of court, but they got on really well. And I think now they are actually pretty good friends, which is unusual. Maybe like uh, Chris Evert and Martina Navratilova, like we were talking about maybe later in their career. And then Djokovic came in and, you know, (laughs) wanted to ruin this party, which is his job, right? And um, I think Djokovic is not naturally charismatic. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with him. And... uh, but the thing is that I feel that yesterday was a question of, you know, Federer is beloved wherever he goes. I think people just like him. He's a very graceful graceful man in the way he plays and the way he behaves. I think he's very normal with people. And I think uh, that takes people by surprise because I think we're living in an era of superstars who are hidden away and, uh, you know, sometimes uh, a bit spoiled. Whereas this is this very regular, ordinary guy who comes, he talks to the media, he talks to drivers, he goes to tournaments and he tells them, look, what can I do for you to popularize tennis and stuff like that and still plays beautifully. And so the crowd in England was absolutely for him. And uh, I think that's difficult for Djokovic because sometimes you think, look, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm a decent guy and he is a decent guy. And you're thinking, why don't they love me? And it's I don't think it's so much that they don't love him. It's just they love Federer more than they love anybody else. and But it's hard. And that's why I respect Djokovic. Because not only did he beat Federer yesterday, he also, in a way, defeated the crowd. And yeah. that's a hard yes. thing to do. Hey, hey, you brought up, you know, yes, there was no secret the, the crowd was pro-Federer. But being pro-Federer is one thing. Booing is another. And I think at one point, um, they actually booed uh, Novak for sort of just approaching the, the, the umpire. I think he whacked one of the microphones yeah. near the umpire. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I don't like booing. Yeah, you're all right. I, I, I just don't like booing. So yeah. obviously, I don't, I don't like that. I don't think that your, your love or affection for one player should not become dislike and booing for the other player. I yeah. think you've got to Absolutely. draw that line. And uh, uh, those people who boo... When in tennis, what happens is, uh, and I'm not excusing it, but every time somebody goes and argues with the umpire, they tend to boo or slow hand clap or stuff like that. The other bit of drama that we had was at the Cricket World Cup final, you know, which saw England win on a boundary count. Rohit, can you explain what this means? So basically, in 50, in 50 overs, both teams had scored 240 runs, 241 runs. And uh, so they were tied. And so you have a super over. And in the Super Over, both teams also scored 15 runs each. But basically, England won because they had scored more boundaries in the 50 overs. And 
that also leaves a little bit of a bad taste because that's fine print. I mean, basically, a team is winning a World Cup because of the fine print. And uh, I think they probably should have had another super over. And uh, But the fact remains is that that rule exists for both teams. And I suppose uh, New Zealand could have won also on the same rule. But it was a great match which probably deserved a better finish. What I think is, is in even people who don't watch cricket, right... The, the captain of New Zealand is a guy called Kane Williamson and he did a post-final uh, press conference. And I think anybody who cares about sport should go and watch that press conference because that is one of the greatest exhibitions of dignity that I have ever seen in sport. He doesn't talk about luck. He doesn't mourn. He doesn't groan. He congratulates the English. You know, he talks about how tough sport can be. Sometimes, you know, luck doesn't go your way. And it was... It was, it was Look, neither of those countries had won the World Cup before. England was playing at home, so obviously a big deal for them. New Zealand is a small nation, you know, who have a fantastic record in sport, but the only thing they haven't won is a cricket World Cup. So one of the beautiful things about sport is, or one of the strange things about sport, and this is true of the tennis and of the cricket, is part of the beauty of sport involves a certain amount of cruelty. When you have epic matches, somebody's heart is really going to break. The harder you play, the further you go, the longer you stay in a match, the more you're investing in it, the more it's going to hurt if mm. you lose. So now if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series, A Game of Two Halves, on Apple or Google Podcast, or even on Spotify. Like us and give us a rating. Now back to our conversation with Sazali. Saz, warriors are in the headlines for the wrong reasons. Now please tell us what happened. Yeah, well, they have been uh, unable to pay uh, their staff salary on time again. Uh, this is obviously not, uh, you know, something new. Um, uh, they we first Straits Times first reported this um, in October last year, uh, where they couldn't pay their players on time in back-to-back -back months, and and it sort of continued lah, you know, into the new year, into the new season, and. Um, you know, this is, is is something that you know it's it's a serious issue. I I, I feel because at the end of the day, you know the footballers, you know, there are people too, right? Yes. You know, people sometimes tend to to lose sight. Uh, they think of oh, professional footballers, you know, uh, are are not you know like you and me. You know, they don't depend on on their monthly salaries uh, as normal people do. But but it's it's very much the case, uh, and and you know in Singapore where where salaries are tied to CPF contributions and CPF contributions yes. lead to you know things like payment for houses and and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a really serious issue, and the fact that it's gone on so long, um, you know, I think it's it's uh, it's quite alarming. Now, how did they land themselves in this mess? Um, to sum it up, basically. You know, the, the club took business decisions uh, that have not reaped dividends. Um, so basically, uh, clubs are encouraged by the Football Association of Singapore to find revenue streams. A lot of clubs uh, get revenue from their jackpot operations, mm -hmm. um, but uh, Warriors, uh, their operations have been affected by the fact that there's major upgrading works at the George Kang Stadium. So they've tried other avenues. Uh, and unfortunately, these avenues have not worked out as well. I know one of them, for example, um, is a tie-up with Borussia Dortmund from Germany, the football club. Um, you know, to 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 brand or market their academy um, alongside Dortmund. Um, they jacked up the price. You know, some uh, parents were not happy. They pulled their kids out. Um, from what I know, um, <clears throat> that venture hasn't really uh, you know been successful for them. Uh, they also set up a karaoke uh, 
studio in in their clubhouse at Chongqing Stadium, which was like I mentioned earlier, the, they are upgrading works at the stadium. So um, the karaoke business has also you know not Take been successful. Right. So uh, basically, like I said, you know the the the, the stadium upgrading works you know is something that's beyond their control. Um, but from what I understand, they were informed maybe about a year in advance or, or about half a year in advance. So it's something that maybe they could have planned for. Um, and, you know, now basically they don't have any successful revenue streams and, and they're struggling to pay the place on time, you know, every month. And it's not a good situation. Yeah, but it's a pity because I think it is good for them to have made an effort yeah. to gain more revenue on their own rather than just wait for handouts from the FAS, right? Certainly. So were you disappointed that these things have not turned out for them? It's admirable in a way that they are thinking outside the box. You know, they, they are trying uh, different things. But at the same time, I think it's a question of, of working within your means. Um, and, and for a, 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 a club that has not been, you know, particularly successful on or off the pitch um, in the last three, four years, um, to, to, to go into so many ventures. They also took a couple of uh, amateur teams, uh, National Football League and, and a, a women's team, um, under their wing as, as, as feeder clubs. You know, I think this is, you know, sort of unnecessary. I mean, in their view, they are trying to create, a, you know, like a, an ecosystem like, like how it is in, in, uh, in Europe where, you know, Chelsea have feeder clubs all over the continent and stuff like that. Um, they think it's good. They can send their young players to play um, for one of the NFL teams, you know, gain experience, which, like I said, again, it's admirable. You know, the idea seems to be the right one, but the execution is just, you know, woeful. What's next for them? You know, how can we prevent this from happening to another club or for for this to continue even at the same club? Clubs, um, the local, the six local clubs in the Singapore Premier League, uh, they are made to sign uh, a formation agreement uh, with the Football Association of Singapore where it's actually stated that the clubs are supposed to seek approval from FAS if they are going to make... Um, any agree are they going to enter any agreement or transaction um, which have financial and or technical implications for the club and FAS? Um, from what I understand, Warriors when they made the decision to open up the karaoke joint, when they made the decision to tie up with Dortmund, they did not consult FAS. So maybe one step that can that can be taken is for FAS to enforce uh, this agreement a bit better, uh, keep a closer watch, a tighter rein. Um, on you know the the points of this agreement, uh, so that the clubs uh, don't extend themselves um, to the point where <laughs> they can't really run uh, effectively, like like how Warriors is um, uh, now. Yeah, right. Okay, now moving on to a happier note. Some of the world's biggest football stars will be in town this week for the International Champions Cup. Now, as the main correspondent covering this event for the Straits Times, tell us briefly who some of these names are and what fans can expect. Yeah, so um, the four, four, you know, among the world's best teams, Manchester United, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, Juventus, and Inter Milan, uh, they're coming to Singapore um, from Wednesday onwards to to play two games at the weekend. Um, some of the world's greatest players like Cristiano Ronaldo uh, will be in town, uh, and no doubt there's there's a there's a there's a huge bus. The tickets for the Man U game are already sold out. And the tickets for the Spurs uh, Juventus game um, are, are selling really fast. And I think there's a, a few interesting subplots uh, to this weekend. For example, uh, Manchester United striker Lukaku will be playing against Inter Milan, which is the team he's been strongly linked with all summer. 
so it's almost like an audition, you know. I've been joking with my friends that the transfer could take place in the middle of the pitch at halftime or something like that. Um, of course, you know, Juventus have also been linked with Paul Pogba, you know, their former player, um, who has expressed his desire to leave Man United. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting, um, you know, um, situation we have, especially in the midst of this transfer window. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, this, this year there's no um, major, you know, football tournament like World Cup or Euros mm. so players don't have extended breaks uh, so you know we've seen in previous ICCs where you know maybe some players are still star players are still on holiday you know uh, this time Cristiano Ronaldo and co will be in Singapore so I think fans uh, will get a uh, will really enjoy the entertainment that's on offer and there'll be plenty of fan events yes um, they're, they're, each club has uh, meet and greet uh, sessions um arranged uh, by the organisers with the official fan clubs in Singapore at Resort World Sentosa. In addition, uh, they have a few media uh, publicity events planned uh, at various locations um, you know, in the, in the second half of the week, which, you know, usually sometimes they don't really broadcast this, but, you know, fans find a way. You know, yes. they will, we'll see throngs of fans queued up outside the stores and outside, uh, you know, the, the, the publicity locations an hour before the players are scheduled to arrive. So I'm expecting all this... Um, and more this weekend. Okay. So, so basically, no serious teams like Liverpool or Barcelona coming, right? The <laughs> 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 very serious player in Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> okay, if you want to find out more about what's happening at the ICC, do follow the ST Sports Desk on Twitter at ST Sports Desk. And on that note, that's the final whistle bringing to a close a game of two halves. Thanks for joining us. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times and The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.